Howdy, folks. You're listening to the High Res, Low Res podcast, and I'm your host, Daniel Fischel. What I love about the internet is how it has connected so many illustrators with one another. We follow each other because we admire each other's work, we comment back and forth, and then eventually we're in each other's DMs talking about music, TV shows, and overlapping interests. So when you go to an illustration conference or a convention, it can be really comforting to see those same people also there in that same space uh, that you can talk to in real life. And it's so cool to see how our friendships can really translate from online to the real world in a really fun, uh, comforting way. Uh, last summer, I got to meet our next guest on the show, Sarah Wong, at the Illustration Conference or Icon Conference in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I really enjoyed their company and I thought that they would be a great, you know, listen on the podcast and I really enjoy their story. Sarah Wong is a illustrator and art director. Uh, their freelance clients include The New York Times, Tor.com, NPR, Red Bull, and Mondo. In this episode, we talk about growing up in California, working remotely from Baltimore f- uh, for a tech company in the Bay Area, finding work-life balance, transitioning from a Wacom tablet to an iPad and working with Procreate for all of your illustration projects, uh, working on the board of 2024's Icon Illustration Conference. Uh, this recording was done in December of 2022, so we did some predicting of what city will host Icon Illustration Conference. Uh, spoiler alert, it's been announced that it's the green gem of the Midwest, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, so we also talk about their dogs, uh, Moose and Daisy, powerlifting, and so much more. If you like our conversation, please rate, comment, and review the podcast, and be sure to subscribe to the show as well. If you have any questions or comments, please email me at goodbadjpeg at gmail.com. That's goodbadjpg at gmail.com. Here's my conversation with Sarah Wong. So tell me, like, what was it like growing up in San Diego? <laughs> yeah, um, it's beautiful. The weather is perfect year-round. Um, I was lucky enough to live, like, pretty close to the beach. So every summer, you just go there after school. Um, but you don't really appreciate any of that until you <laughs> leave San Diego. So I didn't really know um, that the rest of the world was not like that until I went to St. Louis for college. So looking back now, I think I can appreciate a little bit more, but at the time I I didn't know. I feel kind of the same way about living in New York. If I ever leave, I would be like, damn, I lived so close to like far Rockaway and Cody. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, cause I, I feel like when I first, moved to new york i uh i just basically just went all the time and now in the last i don't know six or seven years i just have been going less and less so i, I kind of appreciate that are, are any of your uh parents or family also artists of some kind um my sister is she's in school now finishing up she's doing a marketing and design degree so she we've both been in art classes and stuff as kids growing up. Um, my aunt on my dad's side also was um, 
an oil painter. She she was like Whoa. a lawyer, but on the side she was an oil painter. Um, and then my mom, but she's a nurse. She was a nurse. She's retired now, but she's always been really into interior design. So all the women in my family, I would say, are like creatively inclined, um, but no professional artists that I know of. Ah, okay. So I feel like that's like a common thing is just, you know, most people, they might not have like an artist, but they have people in their life that like quilt or they yes. do some kind of craft or something, which is always kind of really cool. My mom collected velvet paintings from flea markets. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> that's and awesome. It, it was always kind of cool to see some of the stuff that uh, she would pick up every now and then, which is awesome. So, uh, you moved to St. Louis for, uh, you know, to go to Wash U, uh, to study there. What was it like to go to school in St. Louis? Um, it was interesting. It's kind of in a bubble, I would say, the college campus. That's kind of the term they like to use. It's a city with, like, very, what's the word? Visible, I guess, racial history to it. Like, there was mm -hmm. a lot of divides and stuff that are still really present today in the neighborhoods and kind of the layout of the city so the college campus and kind of like the immediate area around it was our bubble just all college right. students um everything we needed but then the rest of the city was like very divided up just driving through different sections um we suddenly you know different poverty levels of a neighborhood and then you're back in like this really nice neighborhood just kind of that sort of thing um which was new to me coming from my neighborhood in san diego you know it was just kind of like suburbia there was nothing like mm -hmm. that there um i mean it's <laughs> probably obvious and a little silly to say but the weather was kind of um shocking for me <laughs> as well i didn't really have a concept of living in like winter or anything for poor st louis but mm -hmm. Studying there, um, there was a nice creative community that we kind of got involved in as, as students. Um, I would say the professional artists, a lot of the professional artists in that community were like involved in the school in some way. They might um, TA a class or guest lecture a class. So there was that kind of like strong sense of um, creative roots there. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, We've talked about if we'd ever go back to, to St. Louis or something. My partner, he also went to school there. We went to college together. So it's something we, we look at as like a, a nice place to live for sure. Yeah. Uh, did you meet your partner in St. Louis or? We met in high school, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really sweet. You were not an illustration major, but you were like a communication designer, correct? Yes, communication design. I, to my knowledge, I don't know if it's changed now, but at the time there was no, like, illustration major. It would be written as communication design was your major, and then with like a concentration in illustration. Mm -hmm. What was it like to like? Did you take so you took illustration classes within that, right? And what was that yeah. like? Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was interesting because no matter what your concentration was, like, if I were interested in illustration or if another student was interested in design we still took a lot of the same foundational classes and I don't just mean like you know drawing one and and things like that but basically I ended up having to take a lot of typography classes and that was just mm -hmm. like the core 
curriculum for everyone. So <laughs> it was interesting because those Thai classes were just like hell for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they were so hard and they didn't come naturally to me, which to be honest is why I, I love illustration. And I think a lot of us, you know, started drawing as kids and then never stopped because it comes naturally to you and, and all that. But um, type did not. And I definitely saw those type classes as like, this was the gateway <laughs> to being mm-hmm. a designer sort of. So having that comparison, going to type, you know, crying and then going to like my illustration class and just loving it and loving all the time that it took to make those the pieces for that class I think that contrast almost made me you know love illustration even more mm-hmm. just knowing what the other options were so with, with your typography class was it like you were drawing type with ink and you had to get the curves just right or was it all about like kerning and getting all the you know lines all right Yes, it was, we had type one and type two and type one was all like kerning and just getting lines right. Not really much um, creative exploration to that. And then type two is where you're doing stuff like making logo types or typesetting like an entire (laughs) book and designing the cover and things like that. So the only time those worked for me was when I was able to like bring in some elements of illustration to it. Otherwise it, it was just like, an alien thing to me. Right, right. So when you graduated from Washu, what was uh, what was it? Was it full time freelance? You're just like, yeah, just doing it, or did you like get a full time creative job, or you work somewhere? Like, tell me about your path. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so in school, I did a couple of internships. I interned with two of my professors over summer, which was awesome. Um, and then the senior year of school, I interned at like a local design studio in town. They're very small. They kind of come to be because they had worked at like a larger design studio. And then a couple of them were like, this sucks. Let's start our own thing. So they, they had that kind of like culture to them, the small, young, we've built this ourselves kind of um, design place, which was very cool. So I interned with them while I was in school. And then when I graduated, they offered me a full-time job. So I I stayed in St. Louis for that. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, And then you were there for like a year. And then um, what did you end up, uh, where did you end up working at after that? Um, After a year, formerly known as Facebook, but now Meta, um, a recruiter reached out to me about this new team that they were kind of building um, and to see if I would be interested in applying as a, an illustrator for the team. Um, and their email signature looked so off. Like, it, it didn't look right, you know. I thought for sure it was a scam. So I was laughing <laughs> about this thing, thinking it was so silly that they're scamming me like this, but it was real. So um, <laughs> they gave me the opportunity to interview for this position. Um, and then they gave me a, a job offer and I moved out to, uh, to the Bay area for it. Uh, what is, what is uh, San Francisco like compared to San Diego? Um, I think, well, I should preface by saying I was down in the peninsula. I wasn't okay. up in San Francisco city. Um, I was in Mountain View and the way other employees would talk about it, like I, 
I was waiting for my shuttle one day and somebody else at Meta walked by and they're like, oh my God, if I had to live in Mountain View, I would kill myself. So, <laughs> but I love Mountain View. <laughs> so if you live in the city, if you had the real city experience, I don't know if you'd agree with what I say. I just want to preface that. Like I, right. I wasn't a true San Franciscan. Um, I was a dirty Mountain View resident, but I think San Diego, at least when I lived there was very idyllic and mm-hmm. everybody, it seems like is just chill all the time. Um, beach vibes, that sort of thing. No one's like in a hurry to go anywhere, or do anything. They're very much like in the moment and happy. <laughs> right. um, and in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, in Mountain View, at least in my neighborhood, it was kind of strange because it really felt like um, there was no like permanent community. It was just a community of people who were there temporarily. Like young families or young um, engineers or whatnot that were just there because they were working at tech and like would be moving on to something yeah. else kind of. So it was a weird space in that sense. Um, Did it, it feel felt... like you couldn't have like a real community there because everyone was like there on a timer? Yeah, I think that is what it felt like to me. I think it was also kind of an interesting experience because the people that I worked with and that like became friends with, we all kind of lived in different areas. So I was in Mountain View. A couple friends were slightly north in Redwood City. And then more friends were in like San Francisco City and Oakland. Mm-hmm. So it was, we were all kind of spread out and in these pockets of places with different, like my place felt very new and kind of manufactured and temporary. Um, so yeah, I think San Francisco has like a good, art scene and art community in that way but sort of like my placement to it mm-hmm. wasn't i couldn't really take advantage of that i guess uh yeah i'd love to hear more about the uh art community illustration community in and around san francisco oakland area and all that uh how was it to like connect with other artists was it easy was it hard was it that you know, because I've heard that, like, unlike, you know, like a city like New York, which is just massive and there's always something going on, that I, I've heard that you have to really be someone that reaches out or else, like, mm. you don't know. Is, is that true from your perspective? I think it would be true. I think I really only had those opportunities because of the people around me mm-hmm. were, like, inviting me to them. Um, Brandon Land, who I worked with at Meta, he was someone who was really plugged into the community and and like that kind of person that takes initiative to find those opportunities and stuff. So I think in some ways I kind of (laughs) coasted on his energy there, but like he was plugged into like the print studios in Oakland and all the, like the zine fairs and stuff that went along with that. Um, And I did have like, um, I do have a really good mentor at Meta who is also, she lived in Oakland, um, but she would organize like things for us to, create and put in like the SF MoMA for like a meta, you know, night there, things like that. Um, But I think also surprisingly was through meta itself and not just like the people who work there, like Kim Saul, as I mentioned, Brandon Land, all these people um, on my team and adjacent to my team were like kind of became my artistic community at the time. But um, meta had this artist in residence program and like, workshops and classes and stuff for people to take so they would bring in artists for that as well so um like kevin dam was someone living in oakland at the time who came to like teach some classes and i sort of met him through that um 
yeah, things like that were kind of surprising um, ways to find mm-hmm. people. Um, I, I was surprised about that. I, I've also heard that like Meta also has uh, some facilities to really like foster that. Like, um, mm-hmm. like a friend of mine's husband that used to work at Meta uh, did a lot of woodworking. Like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's um, really cool. It is really cool. It's um, the woodworking. I'm I'm thinking now because I always wanted to take it and I never did. So I'm like a little jealous to hear that your, your friend's husband took advantage of that. Yeah, they had, um, I forget what it was called, but it was like this art, artistic center with like um, woodworking workshop, I think. And then they had like um, Rezo printers and like this mm-hmm. whole kind of um, print shop. And that's where we spent a lot of time making like zines and stuff like that. Wait, was like the Rizzo printer just like there and you could just, print whatever like i mean as far as my memory serves yeah and this is another thing where i did not appreciate at the the time (laughs) (laughs) i think that's kind of my theme is i don't appreciate things until i don't have them but um yeah yeah, so like brandon um organized like zines for us to do there and i had never touched a rizzo printer in my life before that so that was like a whole experience in and of itself but it was just there and i think um I don't know. I'm wondering how often that place saw employees coming through or if it was just kind of us <laughs> using right. it all the time. Yeah. Wow. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you do at Meta, if you're, if you're allowed to. I, I'm not yeah. really sure how, how much you can kind of disclose. I can speak to that for sure. Um, so I am an art director and my team is the business brand systems team. Um, we're pretty small and the the way it works is at meta you know there's all these different groups of like products and whatnot um when i first joined meta i was over working on facebook like the core app um but my current team we are what's called meta's like ads and business products area so like if you're an mm-hmm. advertiser um we work on like the tools that we would use to run your ads basically um so we are kind of establishing and upholding the visual systems within those products, basically. Um, And obviously my background in illustration means a lot of my work is in the, um, the illustration style of those products and Mm -hmm. like working with vendors, um, working with illustrators on the team to make illustrations that kind of help with the user experience. Um, And both in like, welcoming welcoming them to a product like taking them through it their whole user journey things like that but then also like the products themselves are kind of complex and a lot Mm -hmm. of the business concepts that go with them can be complex so we use illustration a lot of times just kind of help explain right concepts like that yeah is there one example that's published that you can kind of go in a little bit more detail about, like, the complexity that kind of goes into a project? Mm, I'm not sh- <laughs> I'm trying okay. to think. Um, <laughs> I can speak at, like, a high level, I would say. Um, like, if we are our flagship product, Meta Business Suites, mm-hmm. um, that, let's see... I'm trying to even think of something that will be interesting to. So, <laughs> to like, about. I guess for example, because um, uh, you know, one one note about me: I've actually interviewed to work at Meta at least three times. 
<laughs> really? Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably breaking an NDA, probably saying that, but <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell. <laughs> but I mean, someone's gonna know after hearing this. But yeah, I mean, uh, I so I know that like um, it's like things like you know creating like little illustrated banners and yeah. things that, that like really help guide the user experience is like a, a yes. big part of it. So yeah, it seems really cool. Um, it's kind of fun. It's cool because it's challenging in ways that I think I wouldn't normally find in freelance. Like mm -hmm. I'm at the space where I'm not necessarily the one making the images. I'm more working with different teams just like to even understand what's their problem, you know, what's their product. And a lot You're of times more of a manager than you are creating <laughs> at this point. I, yeah, I guess that's one way to put it. Um, I, I guess it, I'm kind of like, we're more strategizing. Yeah. We're more trying to collaborate with other teams who might not really understand illustration and they might come to you with like their own idea of what the solution should be. And there's a lot of that kind of pre-work of just sitting down with people and kind of walking it back to like, well, what's the actual problem we're trying to solve? And like, mm -hmm. here are some different ways we can solve it. So I guess that probably does sound familiar from like a freelance perspective. I know we all get those clients that like, <laughs> We have to kind of walk them back and, you know, hold their hand through it. Yeah. But um, I guess my all of my job is just, like, focused on that aspect yeah. instead of, like, and then I get to draw. I, you know, that's the thing is, like, whenever I, I talk to my students and I tell them about, like, how when I was in grad school and uh, part of my digital, um, like, creation like class was we learned how to use html and css uh which at the time you basically you created a website by hand you didn't just mm -hmm. you, didn't, you didn't plug everything into a squarespace site and right. there was like a sense of like a different way of thinking about things creatively and uh, managing and all that yes. and i feel like you know being someone that might not be in, you know, Adobe Illustrator creating these like forms, you know, being on the other end and being more on the strategy side. And, you know, that side is uh, kind of more exciting in a way, um, which is cool. I don't know. I like that a lot <laughs> about, you know, what you do uh, at, at the business now. So um, early on in your practice uh, and up through now, because uh, you've been at Meta for a couple of years now. How many years? Yeah, for five years. Okay, wow. Um, so, you know, how much freelance ha did you take on when you started and how much freelance are you taking on now, uh, you know, right now, you know, while you're at Meta? And is there any kind of uh, work that you're not allowed to take on? Oh yeah, good question. Um, so I guess I should like preface this by saying when I went to school at WashU, um, loved it, great professors. Yep. And I don't like I <laughs> I don't want to blame them. That's not the right word. But I came out of school kind of thinking I want to be a freelance illustrator. Like that's my goal. Whether or not that was something like the school and its faculty, you know, um, impressed upon me, or if that's something that I took away myself. I couldn't tell you, but that's what my goal was. So coming to Facebook to Meta, that was still my primary goal. And it was kind of like, well, I'm going to take this job just, just to see what it's like. Yeah. But like, it's still going to be my goal to be a freelance illustrator. So 
I took the job, um, came to the Bay Area, to Mountain View, and was, like, <laughs> just living in a studio apartment with my dog, you know, um, long distance with my partner since I moved. Kind of lonely, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um, so I threw myself into going to this new job and then coming home and trying to, like, start a freelance career, basically. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of freelance, or I, I tried to anyways, but I was working every night that I came home and then on the weekends and then, and then some more. So that was a lot of um, editorial freelance really from that. Um, and some really good experiences. I did a couple of um, podcasts like Invisibilia, things like that, um, which I, I love doing. Um, but <laughs> now I've kind of evolved a little bit, I think in, in what my goals are both like, just like in general living life and like, from a professional standpoint. So over time, I think my primary goal was I want to become a solid enough freelancer that I don't have to work at Meta. Meta yeah. was kind of like the security blanket for me, really. Um, I wanted to be able to leave and, and like join my partner as he was going through his, um, his medical training. And I didn't feel like I would be able to make it without a full-time job. Um, but then with the pandemic, Meta gave us the option to go remote. So I took that move to Baltimore where I am now to be with my partner as he goes through his training. Um, so things have shifted a little bit. Like there's no longer that choice of like either I'm full time across the country or I have to be freelance in order to be with my partner. So now I can we can live together and I can still work at Meta. Um, and I think when I started, I was an illustrator. Over time, I became an art director. So there was a point where it was kind of like, you know, you're illustrating in like the house style and it, like yep. you've kind of explored everything you can explore with it. You've made all those cool discoveries with it that you could. Um, there was like a point where it's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm not really learning anything new doing right. this. Um, so transitioning into more of like an art director role kind of gave me new territory and like a new world to explore in, in terms of strategy and whatnot. So that's just like a really long way of saying basically now I don't, <laughs> I don't do much freelance at all because I'm like, I'm satisfied at work making those, um, right. learning in that way and everything. Um, and then I come home and I, I'm drawing for myself or I'm trying right. to anyways, um, and kind of trying to pick up these other hobbies. And I think just trying to be more balanced as a person. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think if you took me back, you know, five years and like plop me down in that studio apartment and I had to do it over again. I don't think I could do it now <laughs> right? because <laughs> like I've had a taste of what it is to like also have hobbies and also like leave my house and do other things at the time. I just like did not have that. So it wasn't something that I could could miss. Yeah. I feel like uh, on the other side of it, from my own perspective, I, I feel like my first like six or seven years, I was just very unhealthily just straight yes. grinding. Like, yes. And, you know, working, you know, 70, 80 hour, you know, weeks, just if I'm not making something for someone, I'm making something for myself. And if I'm not doing any, either of those, I'm like looking up client contacts, I'm like emailing yeah. them. And in a way, if, if you're a freelancer and you don't set up boundaries early and you don't like set up like, you know, security nets for you when you have like a slow month or a couple months, it can really be, it could be like a total grind and like, 
in a very unhealthy way. And so I totally understand from your perspective uh, from that. Even though I don't make a lot of money from uh, teaching, uh, you know, just having like that nice like 800 to 1,000 bucks coming from like teaching one class like a month mm -hmm. is like, it's nice. It just means like, oh, I don't have to sweat if I don't make like my numbers this month right kind of thing yes um yeah. you know and i can kind of and if i do make my numbers i can put that away in savings for another for another month where i'm a little short so i totally i totally understand that and get that now that i'm like 14 years into w working as an illustrator it's kind of crazy saying that number out loud yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm old <laughs> well older you know um so Anyway, uh, tell me, uh, I would like to, um, I want to first talk about like the work that you created outside of work mm -hmm. and from like when you started to where you're at now, uh, I, you know, I know that you're one of the many people that have told me like, Daniel, get an iPad, sit on the couch with <laughs> us and draw. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were you like basically with a Wacom pa pad and a laptop uh, or like did you have like, a little Cintiq? Like what was like, you know, er early Sarah like when early you were developing Sarah. work? Um, yeah, I had a little little Wacom pad. I'm looking at it now because I still have the same one. <laughs> is, it, is there screaming like, put me away, like yeah, in my life, throw me in the trash? It doesn't have the original cord. It's like some random cord. It, it, it's a mess. Um <laughs> I'm looking at it, feeling some pity for it. Um, but yeah, that was that was my thing was the Wacom pad and a laptop, basically. Um, in school, they required us, I think once we were juniors, to get monitors. Um, mm -hmm. We had like studio space to, to work in, so that was our setup. So they kind of forced us into some good habits there. But starting out um, when I left school... And, you know, when you're trying to, like, work wherever you can sort of thing. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times where, like, I was on the plane <laughs> trying to finish a drawing, like, mm -hmm. in the freaking tiny economy seat with my laptop on the tray table. And then my wake up, like, on my lap. Oh, yeah. Trying to, to draw something. Yeah. So that was my setup for a, a long, long time, really. Um, I never got into the Cintiq thing. I tried mm -hmm. it. At work, they, you know, they let us get them. And I messed up my shoulder actually i had to like go to physical therapy for it so that's my kind of old person what, what's quality. funny is i've heard stories for both like i've heard people oh, really? messing themselves up from this antique i've also heard people messing themselves up on just working on you know the you know 12.9 you know ipad too mm. i think it all has to do with like I, there's definitely like an undergrad they taught us a lot about art injuries where oh, yeah. a lot of it comes down to just you're just doing a lot of this and not a lot of like moving the whole arm and not really moving your body when you work yes and i was always really cognizant of that and i always stretch before and after i sit down oh, so for you, many hours to good at that stuff yeah yeah it's it's just something that i've just been aware of um like when I worked at Thrillist, I, I guess I just did it less. And so I used a lot of my PTO to just not draw, actually, mm. <laughs> to oh, yeah. just let my arm just hang out and scream while I did <laughs> nothing for like a couple of days. Yeah. 
Or I did like the thing because I've seen like a bunch of like Instagram posts now. I don't know if you do this at work either, but you strategize around your PTO around like, oh, like we have off on Monday, so I'll take off on Friday and then I have a four day week off. Yeah, definitely. Something like that. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what I did. <laughs> but so, yeah, I also like I totally understand your whole uh, working on a little Wacom tablet. I, mm-hmm. you, I so. I would, uh, you know, go home for the holidays, and for home is for me is just taking an Amtrak train from New York to Harrisburg, oh, and yeah. uh, Pennsylvania for anyone that doesn't know. And um, yeah, I would just try to work on a little, and it just, it just it doesn't work. And yeah, on the train. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the worst. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so now you're completely working on an iPad. Are you using Procreate, Fresco, uh, Sketch? What are you using? I'm using Procreate just because that is the thing that I downloaded and took the time to learn. And I don't, I think I'm one of those like old dogs that can't learn new tricks sort of. I have to be very selective about what (laughs) new trick I'm going to learn. So I picked Procreate for that. Um, And like if I do take on an editorial assignment or something and then I'll do it all in Procreate, um, there's a few things, like, if I'm working on, like, a movie poster, then I have to use, like, my desktop computer and, and be at my desk just for the mm-hmm. the file size. But um, drawing for myself and any other client, I'm just doing it on my iPad. Nice. Um, I, I've i heard, maybe, I don't know, uh, I'll probably, like, maybe add, like, a future note or something. I know that with Adobe Fresco which is like similar to Procreate, but it doesn't have some of the bells and whistles that Procreate has. Oh. I know that you can work in larger sizes. Oh, aren't okay. really restricted to Procreate. Oh. Yeah. Adobe <laughs> yeah. Fresco, uh, you know, has a slight edge on Procreate for um, some of those things, but I don't know, maybe check it out. Yeah. If, I, mean, if you I want. know that. <laughs> yeah. I know that when we uh, hung out at Icon, uh, they were, like heavy on the promotion of fresco in that little room that they had for that. Um, I'd like to hear more about your thoughts on Baltimore. Like how have you like, have you been involved in the art community there? I know like Alex fine and a couple other illustrators live in Baltimore. Uh, or have you just kind of like made a network of friends that are like not artists and kind of built out like your friendship network there, or is it a little bit of both? Yeah, that's a good, a good question. Um, I love Baltimore. I think I like the art community, but I'm not really involved in it yet. Um, mm-hmm. I go to some of like the little zine festivals and things like that. A lot of stuff that I think um, students at MICA really are behind yeah. organizing, um, and I get to appreciate them in that way. But I, I did put out like a, I think I posted on Instagram like. I'm in Baltimore, you know, if you're in Baltimore, we should, we should meet up. And I got like, no, no bites on that. I, maybe I just don't have the right audience yet. I'm not clued into the Baltimore audience. You you post that on, um, on Twitter or? No, on Instagram. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So it's out there. If you want to go look at, um, nobody responding to that. A jazz shot did, but he moved. So, so that was, yeah. That um, didn't work out that way. But, um, yeah, I I think I'd like to be involved in the art community if I can 
find it. I know you just threw out some names, and now I'm like, ask yeah. Daniel about those names. Yeah, <laughs> like, a, like a future con- conversation yeah. to go hang out with Andrea and Alex and all those people. Yeah. Yeah, there's a small, like, you know, knit community of, like, professionals that live and work in Baltimore. Uh, I mentioned Alex Fine mostly just because when I was in art school, I was obsessed with Alex Fine's work. Uh-huh. He, like, was the guy that basically uh, did all of the Alternative Weekly like artwork for all the alternative weeklies all over the country. Like he got really big with Baltimore weekly before Baltimore weekly folded. And he basically did for everyone. And I was just obsessed and mostly just because I I wanted to learn how to draw hair and he really draws hair really well. (laughs) But now he's like, uh, one of the main illustrators that they tap for Newsweek and Mm -hmm. a couple other, uh, publications. So he's like, has some regular work with some people and he's really jumped up from being this person who just does alt weekly stuff to now doing a lot of really great stuff. And I'm really glad that, um, you know, he came from small, humble, editorial beginnings and now mm-hmm. kind of doing really great stuff uh i should get him on the podcast someday i don't know <laughs> but you're here so let's talk about you some more uh uh so was this past icon illustration conference in 2022 in kansas city your first or did you end up going to detroit or yeah i i yeah. also went to detroit so detroit was my first one and mm-hmm. kansas city was my second one nice uh, what did you think of uh, the Kansas City versus uh, Detroit experience? Um, I think Detroit, it felt a little bit more like a brand new world to me because I came in with like kind of a few illustration friends. We kind of like clung mm-hmm. to each other throughout it, you know, seeing our idols like at the, <laughs> the closing party yeah. and stuff and being like too scared to talk to them. Um, and Kansas City... I was kind of surprised by how many people I knew, not necessarily like had met them before, but we're like, Oh yeah, we, you know, we talk online and like we're familiar with each other's work and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So it felt more like, I guess the first icon for me was kind of like glimpsing this community. And the second one was kind of just like um, reuniting with the community in a way. If that makes right. sense. I, I, uh, I've been going to icon since icon five in did in, in New York city um, I might have said this on another episode, but um, it was also like I had traveled to New York City uh, to go to like the Jonathan Levine Gallery because it's just like a quick bus trip up and back uh, for like 20 bucks round trip uh, from Philadelphia where, where, I, where I lived. And um, I, I just wasn't like at all into it. And my school did like a class trip up to New York and back. Yeah. And, uh, what really like got me to love New York was actually living in New York in a hostel for like five days, traveling from like the upper West side, transferring at 42nd street, taking the shuttle across town, you know, and, you know, going through grand central and going to the Roosevelt hotel to like do that. I was like, this is New York. I'm getting... (laughs) cream cheese croissant things like every day it's amazing everything's great (laughs) and yeah and like also uh you know i got to meet like i got to see like a presentation by like tristan eaton and i'm like i don't know who this person is i I hear he makes like 
like those vinyl doll things. He's like a street artist or something. And now that I live in New York, I like see his murals everywhere. And I'm like, oh yeah, this guy, like he's great. And like, just also to see those early things and meeting some of the people for the first time. And then later, like now I know who they are and they're like blown up and they go from like being student, you know, or, you know, people that are just there to like, now they're here. And yeah, it's so amazing. Uh, So you are now a person who is one of the people running icon. Yes, yes. I'm on the board. How, how, how have you had any meetings yet or we had like our kickoff meeting, which is really just kind of introducing ourselves. Yep. And then I think we have our first meeting in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, spoiler note for anyone listening to this in the future. Uh, this recording's happening in early December. (laughs) (laughs) I'm basically just like recording all these things and just starting to just slowly put them out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll it'll have already happened. It'll have already happened, yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, not that you're, you know, telling any like secret information, but do you have any cities that you aspire to be like the next host city for ICOM? Yeah, I mean... I selfishly really would love for Baltimore to host an icon, <laughs> not just because I wouldn't have to <laughs> fly anywhere. Yeah. But um, I love the city. I know it doesn't have the best reputation now. I mean, anytime I talk to somebody oh. and they're like, oh my God, you're from, you live in Baltimore. Like, have you seen the wire? <laughs> and that yeah. sort of thing. But. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, Baltimore is a lot like Detroit where, yeah. It has a bad reputation, but you got to go and check it out. Yes, there are, you know, it's a lot like a lot of cities that are kind of blue collar and Mm -hmm. they just kind of don't have the funding. Like there are streets that, you know, they're straight up like homes that are like wrecked. And there are other streets that are amazing. And, you know, and everything in between. It's like any other city that just like has problems. It's just, I don't know, like Baltimore's just such a beautiful city uh i visited several times i've actually spoken at micah and like oh, nice. you know like stayed with alex fine and like it was just such a really great experience and i i, I don't know i think uh baltimore would be a really good host city i think so well good yeah. i'll put you down on my on my petition <laughs> to have it here <laughs> well what other what other cities are you thinking about Oh gosh, I don't know. I have not lived a lot of places. Oh, okay. <laughs> I lived in San Diego, well, St. Louis, Baltimore. So, have you visited other places in the states? Um, I have family in New York, so yeah. I've been up to New York a little bit. Um, I feel like that's kind of it. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I drove cross country to move to Baltimore, so there right. I've like seen America in that sense, but I didn't see any cities along the way that I was like we should have icon here (laughs) right yeah i you know i've I've been thinking about this a lot um i think baltimore would be really good i think boston would be interesting Mm. um i think memphis would be an interesting town that's i feel like i've never been (laughs) but everyone Uh, i've talked to that's been i feel like would agree with you i i love i love memphis tennessee so much really oh i I love it. it it's yeah it's definitely like that and Nashville are like really, I mean, everyone goes to Nashville for bachelor ba- and bachelor, bachelor oh, parties, yeah. but 
but like Memphis has like a special place in my heart. I, mm-hmm. I really like that place a lot. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it might be interesting to have it in Oakland. Um, oh yeah, that's a good one. You know, that would be fun. I know like a, like a, like a little bit of the inside baseball that I know about icon talking to some people over the years is that, um, a lot of it has to do with a little bit of art school support. Like you have to have an art school oh, yeah. to kind of like anchor it a little bit for student volunteers. Right. Yeah. So I'm interested and interested to know like where that happens. So I guess I'll know by the end of the year, hopefully and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see who the host city is going to be for. And so I know that um, the one thing that icon has been criticized over is just the price yeah um it's like i i mean i drove across the country last summer basically thinking like oh this should be like a little bit cheaper it ended up being way more expensive than just flying across the country (laughs) yeah um i think if i did it in a car and not a motorcycle i think it would have been cheaper because i would have been able to just drive longer and oh yeah then you know so, um, I, it's like the hotel room was like a thousand bucks for the whole thing. And then icon itself, depending on like when you get a ticket, it can be mm-hmm. anywhere from like four something to up to six something hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are other conferences that are cheaper, uh, that cost like maybe $300 or something. And they're not like tiered tickets. Yeah. Um, you know, what is, from your personal experience, uh, what is, in your opinion, like, why someone should go to Icon as maybe a younger illustrator who is within the first couple of years of them kind of uh, getting out versus maybe a more seasoned illustrator? Yeah, that's a good question. I think because my professors, when I graduated school and I was still living in St. Louis, um, they were trying to get me to go to the Austin icon, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, it didn't really, I ended up not going. I just felt like I'm not going to know anybody there. You know, I'm going to be spending all this money to yep. go this thing and then just be like extremely shy the whole time that I'm going to come home. <laughs> so I couldn't justify it in that sense. Um, I'm pretty introverted. I, I need to have like friends that I know around mm-hmm. me in order to like, to enjoy something like that. Um, but now, like, being older and kind of having that community and going to it, like, that was a much more enjoyable experience for me personally because mm-hmm. it, I kind of, what's the word? I kind of knew the landscape of illustration at that point. Like, I wasn't going in totally blind. And I think there was also that dual purpose of, like, I'm going to see the talks and, like, learn new things. But I'm also going to, like, meet up with people that I haven't seen in years or right. even ever. That sort of thing. So, I guess in my biased opinion, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, you might have more thoughts as like an mm-hmm. educator, you know, looking at your students. Would you, would you tell them like to go to icon at this point? I, you know, it's tough. I basically would say if you can afford it, go. Um, because if not for the community aspect of like building a small community of people that you would eventually know and uh, they'd become your friends, if not, loose acquaintances that you can ask professional questions, mm. professional questions later on. Right. Um, 
I think that there are also workshops that are valuable to know and that there are like keynote speak speakers that eventually go on and you get to learn stuff that you might not have known about Icon Illustration Conference. Like for instance, uh, I think it was during the Los Angeles Icon in 2011 where uh, that summer yeah because it was 2008 was new york and then 2011 was la uh there was this couple that basically um one like worked part-time at like a local advertising agency so they could keep their health insurance Mm. and uh basically they like bought a barn to live in and with their like two kids and he would write and she would illustrate and they created a subscription service to like a zine that they made and they had like seven or 8,000 like subscribers to their zine that they put out quarterly. And they talked about how like they made a, you know, fairly comfortable living, like doing that. And that spawned like a bunch of people to create like subscription services Mm -hmm. on their websites Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then, I don't I don't want to say that it correlated with like Patreon eventually becoming uh, a model of thing but I think that it makes sense that it was kind of in the ethos of like the internet and people probably making similar things like that for people to kind of do that which is cool. Yeah, um so there's a lot of like interesting talks where it kind of like in the moment it it's very um you know future thinking if like oh like this is a thing uh mm-hmm. you know so oh <laughs> sorry <laughs> don't worry I'm, I'm keeping that in the podcast um <laughs> 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 uh, yeah but anyway uh i don't know i think that icon school i i i probably get a lot of slack because i am very much someone that is a supporter of like that and also society of illustrators and mm-hmm. the whole thing but i don't know um anyway Oh, I'd like to hear more about your freelance that you've done. So you've done sure. a lot of editorial work. You've talked about the podcast and everything like that. Um, now you're taking on less work mm-hmm. um, and, and so forth. And you're also doing a lot of personal work. I'd like to hear more about your some of the freelance work that you have been taking on now that you are kind of like only picking and choosing what you want to work on. And I'd like to know more about like where your focus is on your personal work and is it more focused on like a personal narrative? Is it more of like your external things that you are empathetic with? Is it more just you're making things that are beautiful or you're making things that are more conceptually minded of like something that you're thinking about, like that's poetic or based on research. I'd love to know more. Yeah. 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 Um, so with the freelance stuff, (laughs) I am kind of just going with the clients that like, give me a long time to do something and not a lot of feedback to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, tour.com is one yeah. of those. I really love working, working with um, Irene Gallo over there. That's someone I'd always say yes to for a project. Um, and then Mondo uh, mm-hmm. posters really is kind of the other one. Um, they're great because they have assigned me basically to do all of the universal monsters um posters so like i'm working on a creature from the um black lagoon now which is which is awesome um i think 
that's like a really good intersection of like the things that I, the media that I enjoy and then getting to draw it is always fun. Um, Yeah. Those are, (laughs) that's kind of it to be honest. Those are like the two clients that I'm taking. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Tell me um, more about your dog. Like my dog, how did you, how did you uh, end up adopting it? Mm-hmm. and all the things yeah um well i have two so i have oh uh <laughs> yeah basically as soon as i graduated college i adopted daisy who's here behind me if you see the um D- the video. Easy? daisy daisy oh daisy Dig easy like, would have been going yeah that she came funny. with the name yeah <laughs> i feel like when you think about adopting an animal you spend so much time on the name but she she was three when i got her she was already named daisy and she already responded to that so that was kind of we stuck with it. Um, she's been with me through a lot, like two cross country moves. Um, great dog. She's a, a pit mix. And as you can tell, she's like mm-hmm. no energy. So the perfect dog <laughs> for an illustrator, <laughs> I'd say. And then my other dog who was barking, this is Moose. Um, he's a pandemic Moose. puppy, actually. Yeah, we had the brilliant <laughs> idea to adopt him then. So he's much more high energy. Um He's the one that like makes me go outside instead of just sitting at my computer all day. So yeah. Oh yeah. Um, how do you think of the name Moose? <laughs> um, I used to ride horses growing up, okay. and there was a horse named Moose, and I that just like stuck on me as like what a weird name to give an like just the idea of naming something an entirely different animal um, <laughs> was interesting to me. So that's. That's the only reason we did it. I, you know, it, it's pretty known on the internet that I have a cat named Avocado. And yes, I which tried is such a to, good name. I tried to uh, adopt another cat fairly recently, and my landlord was like, no, only one cat. And I'm like, oh, why? I'm like, why? That's lame. And because I was going to name it Toast so that I could <gasps> tell people that my cats yes. were named Avocado Toast. Um, oh, that would be perfect. I was at a party yesterday. We were talking about pet animals. And now I feel even more um, stern that I need to name whatever <laughs> next, you know, animal that I get, bacon, egg, and cheese, just to be like that annoying <laughs> Brooklyn person who's just yes. like, yeah. <laughs> also, I, the, the first time you take it to a vet, and they're like, what's its name? Bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just in like one breath, like that. One breath, every time. <laughs> like letters all smashed together another way. <laughs> I know you're not taking your cats to the dog park, but that's always think- what I'm thinking about. What you're going to yell at the dog park? Um, and there was someone. Oh, I already forgot what it was exactly, but they were yelling out like a Dragon Ball Z name. Oh my <laughs> god! The other day. Yeah. It's I don't think like, they Vegeta, that come here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Bacon, egg, and cheese. Oh, my <laughs> God. I'd love to be at a dog park with a bunch of weeboos who are just, like, naming their, you know, dogs after, like, anime characters. I hope to see more of them, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come here, gone. <laughs> Killua. <laughs> um, so something that you're really into is, like, uh, a lot of exercise stuff. So, like, powerlifting mm-hmm. and pole dancing and stuff like that. Can you talk a bit more about, like, how you got really involved in exercising? Is it something that kind of carried over from, like, what you did in high school and it, like, you just continued on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
my partner really, I think, got me into working out. Okay. I didn't really have a concept of like how to work out and how different exercises would do different mm-hmm. things for you. So I would try to go for runs just because my mom and my dad were runners. And I was like, well, I guess <laughs> I guess I'll run too. Um, but I gave myself shin splints pretty immediately. So my yeah. partner, he played water polo um, throughout school, throughout high school and college. So they had like, you know, workouts for that. Mm-hmm. So that kind of got me into the weight room and doing all of that. Um, and I liked it a lot because I think I tend to overthink a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, like, as we were talking about kind of always grinding, it's really hard for me to just like sit still and, and not be working on something. But when you're powerlifting, like, especially if you have a set workout routine, like I know exactly what exercise I'm going to do today. And there's no like mystery behind that. My brain gets to kind of like turn off for that. So mm-hmm. it's really relaxing for me in that way. Um, and I've been doing that. I got into that in college with my partner and then I've just been doing it um, ever since really to have like a routine there. But with pole dancing, I always wanted to like take dance classes growing up Mm -hmm. and I just never like actually did it. So I felt pretty confident in like my strength, but kind of like (laughs) movement and coordination Mm -hmm. was always in balance. That's always been kind of difficult for me. So pole dance was kind of a nice way to get into that because I, I have some strength so I can kind of do some of the moves, but I'm still learning in that other capacity. Um, yeah. Do you feel like, um, like powerlifting and like exercising in like a weight gym, like really, and like really working on your core really helped you to do pole dancing. Cause it like works out like other core muscles and everything. Yes. I think it definitely did. I think because I, a lot of it is, as you said, core, and then it's also, like, mm-hmm. back and arm strength. And I have kind of, like, built those things. So um, there's a lot of moves I was, like, kind of surprised that I could get kind of early on, which is awesome. Um, but I am actually very scared of being upside down, <laughs> I realized. So that's my my current <laughs> hurdle is I can do some of these advanced things, and they're like, okay, now do this beginner upside down thing. And I'm like, what if I fall and die? So... Yeah. That's what I'm trying to fix. <laughs> I think like the the most I've ever had in terms of like exercising is like I, I have like a Planet Fitness like membership and I just go yeah. and I like do all the machines and I'm like, all right, I'm here. I'm just I'm just doing it. That's and all it just, is. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just go and, you know, I'm on like a treadmill for like 45 minutes and then um, I'm good. Um, I remember like uh, remember seeing like uh like people like on like on TikTok or YouTube or something like that talking about like their journey mm-hmm. uh or whatever and they're like oh yeah i just like have my ipad out and just like listen to it i'm like i that's the one thing that i never thought to ever do which is like to bring like an ipad and just watch something on that oh yeah do. Um, I always mean to do that, but then I'm always like out the door and be like, I gotta go. Cause otherwise my motivation's like, right yeah, <laughs> yeah. You really have to seize the moment with that stuff. Um, I don't know. I guess I never really thought to do that either. I guess I do feel like I enjoy the suffering in some ways, like yeah. being in that moment and it kind of hurts and you're doing it anyway. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. feel like watching a show would maybe take that part away for me. Yeah. Like I'd probably like stop on the treadmill and be like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. She totally dumped that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh 
what are some things that you're currently watching uh, that maybe you're like a little obsessed with like right now? <laughs> um, the X-Files, as we mm-hmm. were talking about earlier. I, I watch it every year. I think I'm on to season seven. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it. Some things oh, change okay. towards the end of of X Files, so I'm kind I feel of like, didn't they like change showrunners at one point? Like, yes, that's probably yeah. why it kind of yeah. got weird. Yeah, always, it's a different happens. dynamic. Yeah, I'm very attached to the characters of shows. I'm really watching it for them a lot of times, so it's hard when they change. Um, that's kind of been one. I've also enjoyed watching kind of more campy movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a designer that I know from school on every Halloween. She'll make like these fun um, posters really and designs for like her favorite Halloween movies. So I'll always like <laughs> know what she said and, and watch them. Um, and one was The Lair of the White Worm, which if you haven't seen it, it's very fun, um, very weird kind of vampire movie. Um, and I'm trying now to like make an illustration mm-hmm. for that. So yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's something like, you know, uh, I think like many people, I, I had like pandemic plans that I wanted to really accomplish. Uh, one of them was like, I have all this time. I mean, I'm doing work, but I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. What if I illustrate like my top like 10 favorite like movies that I watched? In oh 2020 yeah or something like that and then i start like planning it out and then i'm like i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah is, i'm done i'm done working on this right now it's uh, hard to do i think if you like set a number like that but yeah. i love to like watch something and i'm like dang i really like that and i have all these visuals in my head mm-hmm. i'm gonna draw it. if i take it one at a time like that then i think it it's doable for me it's fun Right. I couldn't sit down and do my top 20. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. There are people that do it. But really? I yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like there are people that like, well, I mean, I, one year, I think it was like 2019, um, I, w- I was like lucky to be a part of like that like group of people that did the 10 by and they would choose like their t- top 10 favorite like albums of the year that came out oh, that year. Oh, yeah. And I did 2019 and... Uh, they ended up not doing it in 2020, and I think after that, because they were just like, no, like <laughs> <laughs> this is the ter- terrible year. <laughs> no yeah. one, no one's going to want to draw their favorite top ten albums, and I'm like, I get it. Wise. <laughs> and then it just never, never uh, followed through. But there's like many years of uh, people doing that, and it's always fun to kind of see like the alternative. Uh, solutions to what people would do of those albums i think like when i went and did it i did mostly like uh i guess in like the terms of like logo design would be called like more of a like a touch-up of like what already existed for some of them so uh it wasn't too far off from the original uh on a lot of them but some of them were more extreme um, like different differentiations between the mm. original cover. Whereas some people like they just went all out very high concept and like really did something completely different. Um, 
I'm already tired. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You you sound like my student. You sound like my students are like, "Come on, get to the point." (laughs) Oh no, no, I mean that making ten high concept, brand new illustrations back to back is just like, oof, it's a lot. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I mean, you know, fortunately, I think like everyone had like a good like two months to like make that stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. from like you know, the onboarding of like the project to the creation and all that before they like started to, you know, plug them in in like early December or something like that. So I don't know. It's like a fun thing, especially if you're like uh, like a younger student or you're someone that's kind of out and you want to create like a personal project and you're like, you don't want to do like one of those like Inktober things. You want to do something kind of more unique. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no worries. (laughs) Uh, I think your dog wants to go for a walk or something. (laughs) He just wants to, he's the narc. He's the neighborhood narc is what I call him. Because he's like, no one should be allowed to walk by the house. You know, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Sarah, this was really lovely um, having you on. Uh, Thank you so much for spending so much time. And uh, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great to to chat with you. Yeah.